0: Hey, it's Amy, and welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod, a podcast with Bob Hollis. I was thinking this week about how when my brother Andrew and I were kids, my dad would drop us off at school and pick us up from school every single day. It didn't seem like a big deal at the time, but at 7.30 a.m. every day, we would pile into the car, my dad would drive us the 15 minutes to school, drop us off, and then drive the 15 minutes back home. And then five and a half to six hours later, he would do that same loop. And I was just thinking, like, what a bummer that was for the flow of his workday, for scheduling appointments, for meetings, that for 15 plus years, he was busy for two half hour intervals at the beginning and middle of every single day. But I guess I just always assumed he would be there. You know, it just felt like a constant in my life. He would drop me off and pick me up. Never occurred to me. The time he had taken out of his own life in order to do that. How inconvenient is that? In today's episode, we talk about what it means to be inconvenienced for others. And my dad explains how he never found these acts of service to be inconvenient at all. We hope you enjoy. <music> Okay, so today, um, I actually have a question for my dad. I was sitting in church yesterday, and the minister was preaching on the Good Samaritan. And the first point he made is that as followers of Jesus, we need to be inconvenienced for others. And I just really loved this. I loved this idea of inconvenienced for others, because that's exactly how a mood of service feels for me. It does not come naturally for me. I do it because I think it's the right thing to do. I do it because I feel like it's what my parents taught me to do. But when I see someone in need, when I see someone that needs my time or attention, I'm often thinking about the other things I wanted to get done today and to stop and help them feels like an inconvenience for me. I. I think I've kind of trained myself to do it more often than not now, but that's definitely like the, the natural instinct for me is kind of a feeling of like, Ooh, do I really need to take the time to do this? So to hear the pastor kind of call out was really helpful for me because it really held a mirror up to that feeling that I feel. He also said that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of sacrifice. So that's how our service may feel, and that we shouldn't fight that feeling, but we should embrace that feeling, recognize that feeling, and move forward in a mood of service anyway. And as I sat there in church yesterday, thinking about this idea of being inconvenienced for others, I thought of you, Dad, and how you are all the time inconvenienced for others. And I, when I thought that maybe we could talk about this today, I thought, Dad's going to hate this. <laughs> because he doesn't want like a whole whole podcast of us glorifying him but you really are inconvenienced for others all the time I mean it's a joke in our family that you'll drive like seven hours like to go pick Andrew up from college just when he could have taken a bus you know or you'll completely go out of your way you'll wake up at weird times you'll stay up late you'll always take the phone call like but to speak of like the hundreds of people that you've helped through actual tragedies and difficult times in their lives when it was not convenient for you. So I just feel like it's such a natural thing about you to be inconvenienced for others. And my feeling was, is that something like me that you've just trained yourself into Are you able to fight that knee-jerk response of like, I don't really want to do this, but this is my responsibility as a minister or as a father or as a friend or as a follower of Jesus? Or do you actually have a taste for that type of service? Do you actually enjoy that type of service in a way that I really don't? So that's, that's my question.
1: All right. So we can debunk the the assumption that I am something really great <laughs> because I live my life inconvenienced for others, um, because I honestly I honestly can look back over my 40 years of ministry right now and say, Maybe I can think of 10 times that I was inconvenienced no. by others, and you, and you say I do it all the time, you know, so let's, let's nail that down. Um, I don't feel like I spend a lot of time being inconvenienced by others because there's not a lot of times that I'm asked to do something I don't want to do, and that is a big key.
0: How can that be true? I mean, I guess I'm thinking of like people that you've driven to the hospital twice a week for years because they needed dialysis. That's not an inconvenience?
1: Um, let me talk about that, you know, because and, and it's huge. It is a part of who I am. I don't even think about being inconvenienced by others. I think about including others. Mm. That's the thought that's with me. My job as a person on this earth is to include others. My favorite part of Christianity is communion. Mm. I always want to build the body of Christ. And you guys know how many family holidays have I ruined because I invited people that weren't family into our family.
0: That's exactly what I was just thinking about.
1: Exactly, you know So it's not always a good thing that I look that way, but I'm always trying to include people.
0: Huh. Uh-huh.
1: I am inconvenienced. I am troubled when people are left out. Mm. So So that's my driving form.
0: So you're trying to include them in what?
1: In life. <laughs> And life the way it's meant to be.
0: Which you feel is abundant in your own experience? Absolutely. Wow, that makes so much sense, actually. Like, you have been blessed, and so you're trying to include them in that blessing.
1: If my life stunk, then, then I wouldn't want to invite people into it. Wow, okay. I totally never got that before. <laughs> but. I kind of like my life. I like who I am. I like the people that I have in my family. And so I was always including that. And And where does that come from? You know, I don't know if that was innately a part of who I am. It sure feels like it, you know. But I grew up eating breakfast across from a sign that said, Joy is Jesus first others second yourself last. Other people hate that saying you know? <laughs> yeah. and I, I've been to counseling and I've learned if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others you know yeah. Um, yeah. so I understand that and I agree with that as well. but I grew up with Jesus first others second, yourself last and you'll have joy and i have mm-hmm. you know so i believe that mm-hmm. you know i'm also a people pleaser and an enabler mm-hmm. so so in a negative sense i always want to help people to make them feel better with the ultimate goal of getting them to love me mm-hmm. i want to be loved and adored mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you do nice things for people, you get loved and adored, yeah. you know, so there's a negative part of that. Um, I also grew up with my mom and dad at a point in time in their life when they had physical, financial, and emotional and spiritual abundance. Right. So when we, when we when we were at the, at the base in Norfolk and it was Thanksgiving or Christmas time and my dad knew there were 17 young men away from home in the Navy um, on Thanksgiving or Christmas, they wow. came to our house, you know? And so I have my parents living that way. I have my parents starting a Meals on Wheels program. You know, working for Habitat uh, for Humanity, driving somebody five days a week for dialysis, <laughs> or or two days a week up to Boston yeah. for chemo. You know, I have that example. So, and I have the scriptures of 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 a Jesus who loved me so much that he was willing to give me everything he had to include me. So all those things pile together in a consistent message that the best life I can find is to, to help others and to include them. So when I heard you say inconvenienced for others... You know, I can think of a time when I, we we had two kids in our youth group. One of them loved Joe Montana and the 49ers. And one of them loved, um, oh, who was the quarterback of the Dolphins that never won a Super Bowl.
0: Talking um, to the wrong kid.
1: Yeah. Well, Andrew, you're going to have to answer this one for me. I can't remember his name right now. But, uh, but they were in the Super Bowl together. So we had a Super Bowl mm-hmm. party. And... And I got a call that, that someone's boyfriend had just died. Yeah. I did not want to leave that party to go deal with that person. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to. -hmm. Um, And the, and the person was three hours away that died And so it really meant going to get this person in my town, driving three hours to see the dead body um, and spend all that time with her. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I wanted to wait till tomorrow after the party. I was inconvenienced at that moment because I didn't want to do the right thing.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's how I feel
1: all the time. (laughs) And I understand that. And people who have a healthier dose of I have to take care of myself before I take care of others will feel that way more than I do. And people who grew up without any abundance or without anyone giving to them learn to, to protect what they get for themselves, you know, but everything that I am, everything I was taught, everything that I've experienced have, has led me to that place where I just want to include people in life, Uh you know, and, and again, please hear the double sided coin of that. I, I do do really nice things for people. Yeah. But I, like, I just drove somebody three hours to an airport, mm-hmm. um, but I, we had a great three hours <laughs> talking about our life, Yeah. you know? Yeah. When I used to drive seven hours to get Andrew, it was really only six. And then drive home instead of him taking the bus. What that meant for me is that I got six hours of Andrew alone in a car. Yeah. That was way worth it for me. That wasn't inconvenient. That was a joy.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're really reframing the whole thing for me. Because it never occurred to me that your experience of this your perspective of this was including others because in my mind it's like I'm going along on my path I see somebody in need and I have to divert from my path to help them and it sounds like what you're saying is you're going along on your path you see someone in need and you scoop them up and bring them in
1: absolutely it's a
0: totally different
1: experience absolutely yeah And if I've learned anything in that experience is there's very few. The reason I can't tell you more than 10 times I was inconvenienced is that what I've learned is I have really great times and meet really interesting people when, when I offer them help. I like, like, like I said, we had—I had a great conversation for three hours on this, on this trip to the airport, and I have no idea whether they talked to me because they felt guilty <laughs> that I was taking them, or if they're just really cool, nice people. Yeah. But we had a great conversation either way, and I was very happy. Yeah. And there are times that living in this world, I've chosen. Not to help somebody by the side of the road because I had you kids in the car, Mm -hmm. you know, and I made the choice to drive by. That hurts me, but I did it because I didn't want I didn't want my compulsion to endanger you. Yeah. So those are those are I can tell you way more of those times when I didn't reach out and help somebody when I wanted to than I can that I help somebody that I didn't want.
0: Yeah. The older that I've gotten, the more I've understood that I have emotional privilege. The more I've realized how like the gifts that I was given as a child, not only made my life better, but that as an adult, things are just easier for me because I came from an emotionally stable, emotionally encouraging environment. And so it's really interesting to hear this perspective from you because I think this is a really good use of my privilege, including others in that emotional stability and that emotional encouragement that flows naturally in my life.
1: Right. I mean, it's funny to say you had a stable emotional home when your mother and I ended up divorced. Yeah, but there's Think there's such a thing as a stable emotional divorce right. which is what you guys right. you guys did right and I think I, I'm pretty sure that you all felt pretty loved I mean obviously yeah. Andrew didn't feel as loved as you did <laughs> he thought that you were the favorite which no. isn't even true <laughs> you know but, but that was his feelings you know um, but I think you both felt loved and you both felt encouraged to, to, to succeed in this world. Yeah. You know, whatever.
0: Well, I think that actually the biggest thing is that there was no question of succeeding in this world. Like we were a success. Yeah. That's what I felt. There was no, like, we've given you so much that you will surely succeed. It was like, you are already a success to us and we are happy just to watch you. I mean
1: that's pretty good, and and I thought that we've had conversations where we told you not everybody has that, and you're welcome to your invite your friends into that. Yeah, and i I know you both had friends that felt like they were part of our family.
0: I think I guess the interesting thing is that that. I mean, this is such a blessing and has also been a lot of hard work in my adult life. But that mood has extended into my marriage Yeah. where like I have such an amazingly emotionally stable and supportive marriage. And my partner is my best friend. Nice. And I see so many people around me who don't have marriages like that. Like many of my peers are struggling. And so I think what's interesting is like, I have been able to create a similarly loving family mood that I had as a child, but I don't think that I extend that to the extent that I did when I lived at home with you. And so I think that would be a really good place for me to do some work, to really take the time and effort and energy to extend the love that Gennardin and I have in our home to others who may not be currently experiencing that in their homes.
1: Right. But I guess I get nervous when I hear we need to be inconvenienced Mm -hmm. for others. I don't need to hear this warning. I need to hear the warning that you all give me. You know, Bob, you have to protect yourself and your family. Yeah. You know, you have to take care of yourself. Stop taking care of everyone else. Uh And that's the message I have to hear. Uh You know, and I'm finally taking care of myself. But let me speak to those of you who do feel inconvenienced. Please, in those situations, remember that you have a choice. If you don't want to, don't do it. If you don't want to, you're just going to be miserable. You may learn. You may get lucky and learn that, oh, I did this and I didn't want to. Yeah. And what a blessing. Jesus, when he was looking at the cross, I think the most powerful part of looking at the cross was Jesus saying, I don't really want to do this. I would rather go another route that didn't include losing my life, but God. If you say, this is the way, Mm -hmm. I'll do it. I choose to do it. Like I said, I can only, because of the way I was raised, I can't take any credit for this because of either how I was made or how I was raised or what I learned or all those things. I can't think of more than 10 times in my life where I helped somebody that I didn't want to originally. Yeah. That makes me lucky when it comes to this. And it makes the people around me unlucky. Yeah. Because sometimes I didn't take care of them.
0: As someone around you for 18 years, I would argue that point too.
1: Okay. But... <laughs> well, I'm glad. Because <laughs> like I did invite people for Christmas and it wasn't always well received. Yeah.
0: But I guess it just <sighs> I mean, you can only be mad at someone so much because they offer to take people in off the streets. You know what I mean? It's like, like yeah. we were all the Scrooges, and you were like the Bob Cratchit. You know, like no one hates Bob Cratchit, right? <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. But there's there's two sides of each coin on those. You know. Yeah. So don't look at Bob Cratchit and think, oh, he's just so wonderful, if he wasn't taking care of himself too. So this week, decide where in the spectrum you are. Are you somebody who just when when you see either a, a lost puppy or a lost person, does your heart immediately go and want to just scoop them up? Or are you somebody who sees a mangy dog or a person that you're not sure you can trust? You know, either one of you in those places is a child of God and either one of you can end up celebrating communion. So so decide where in the spectrum you are in that and say to God, I not only i am ready to do this I want to do this
0: thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Big Fish Little Pod we are super excited about this podcast and the community we are hoping to form around it we really want you to reach out and share your responses and reflections right now we have three main ways to do that you can either comment right on the podcast post on Facebook, which will be posted weekly on my dad's Bob Hollis Facebook page. You can private message him through Facebook as well, or you can email us at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. We will be releasing a new episode each week, and we are so excited and grateful for all of your support. Thank you so much. I don't know how to open it.
1: (laughs) It's hard work that I do, isn't it? You thought editing was hard.